Our scripture lesson today is taken from um, Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. The Apostle Paul founded the church at Galatia and then left to establish another church. In the meantime, the church at Galatia began to have controversy over the nature of the teachings with which he had left them, and that is the context in which he is writing them. Friends, I beg you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. You know that it was because of a physical infirmity that I first announced the gospel to you. Though my condition put you to the test, you did not scorn or despise me, but welcomed me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become of the goodwill you felt? For I testify that had it been possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to exclude you so that you may make much of them. It is good to be made much of for a good purpose at all times and not only when I am present with you. My little children for whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I were present with you now and could change my tone for I am perplexed about you. This is the word of the Lord. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, we pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, I began a series of sermons aimed at answering fundamental questions about our life together. The questions are, why church? Why Westminster? Why join? Why give? Why tithe? In addressing the first question, I said that the why of church is community but not simply the community we find among others of similar interest or disposition, but the community in which we worship, serve, learn, and establish relationships that lead us to grow and develop in our Christian faith. The why of church is community that draws us closer to God. Today I want to ask why Westminster? On this World Communion Sunday in which we do break bread and share wine with churches of different denominations across the world, what is it that Westminster particularly embodies that leads us to be a genuine part of the answer to the question, why church? I want to frame this question around a biblical passage that has stayed with me since I first encountered it in seminary. Some of you may recall that I wrote my Master of Divinity thesis in the late 1970s 
on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and pastor who participated in one of the attempts to execute Hitler and who was to assassinate Hitler and who was himself executed a few days before Hitler's suicide. While imprisoned, Bonhoeffer wrote letters to his nephew and ministerial student, Eberhard Vetka. And those letters would have a significant impact on theology in America and in the West when they were published a few years after his death under the title Letters and Papers from Prison. The letters cover topics broader than Bonhoeffer's heroic stance against the radical evil of the Holocaust. In one passage, Bonhoeffer advises his nephew what to look for when he first goes into a congregation to preach. If you have to preach in the near future, Bonhoeffer says, I should confine myself to a few simple but vital thoughts. One has to live for some time in a community to understand how Christ is formed in that community. Bonhoeffer then references Galatians 4.19, which is embedded in our reading for today. In that passage, the Apostle Paul is writing the congregation at Galatia, which he has founded but then departed to establish another congregation. It is a congregation in whose absence has begun to doubt the faith and teaching on which he had led it to be formed in the first place. My little children, Paul writes, for whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I were present with you, for I am now perplexed about you. In this passage, every time the word you, Y-O-U, appears, it is plural, as in you all. You collectively, you as a community, you as a congregation. Paul is writing to the congregation as a whole. I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. When we take Bonhoeffer and Paul together, we realize that Christian faith is more than simply an individual's relationship with God. We realize that every Christian community, every denomination, every congregation, every group within a congregation has a particular way in which Christ is present to it as a community and by which Christ shapes and forms its common life. Giving birth to such formation can be as painful as childbirth, as Paul, even as a male, acknowledges. Giving rebirth to it is even more painful. It is to lessen this pain that leads Bonhoeffer to advise his student 
to try to discern the form Christ takes within a congregation in which he is about to begin preaching. Now with all that in mind as background, we can now ask, what are the distinctive but by no means unique ways that Jesus Christ is formed at Westminster? Now to be sure, there are many ways that Christ is formed in our congregation. Christ is formed through our mission in which as individuals and as a community we reach out to the D.C. area, to Appalachia, to the Spirit Lake Reservation in North Dakota, and to children, youth, and adults in Moyes Bridge, Kenya. Christ is formed at Westminster through our relationships with one another in which many of us find with one or two people in this congregation friendship that is broad, deep, caring, sustaining, and sometimes life-altering. Christ is formed at Westminster through our care for one another in times of need. Christ is formed at Westminster through the genuine growth we are experiencing in our youth and our children's ministries. Christ is formed at Westminster through our learning, intellectual, experiential, spiritual, learning that occurs at and for all ages. In all of these ways, Christ is formed at Westminster. But there are two ways deeply embedded into who we are as a congregation that particularly mark Westminster. It is to these two ways that I want to devote the remainder of the sermon. The first is the traditional way that we worship. We describe our worship as traditional. And I like to add, but not stuffy. With sermon, pipe organ, choral music, and formal liturgy. Many who join Westminster say that when they first walk in here on a Sunday morning, they are glad to find these elements, that it feels like the church from home. The traditional form of worship that we maintain centers broadly speaking, around preaching and music. I've sometimes shared with you what a sheer joy it is for me to preach from this pulpit because you listen so well and engage so substantively. Beneath that compliment, I want to praise you for your high expectations and for the willingness of your officers and leaders to provide a large staff and an active laity to where the person in my position can actually read and study and think and write and keep up with events in the world and keep up with events in your lives to where I and my predecessors in this pulpit can devote our most significant time and energy to the sermon. And where associate pastors who preach less frequently 
can learn the art from the atmosphere that you provide and where you can hear more than one voice from the pulpit. I've been preaching most Sundays for over 35 years. I can tell you that I still spend 15 to 20 hours a week, all told on the sermon and the worship service. It still follows an old rule in homiletics of an hour in the study for every minute in the pulpit. I can tell you that when any minister is distracted by too many administrative responsibilities or by unhealthiness in the congregation, the sermon often becomes another task on the list to be checked off at the end of the week. And when that happens over time, it shows and it shows and it shows. I want to praise you as a congregation for the commitment you have made throughout your history to support the 20 minutes of the sermon with 20 hours of free, focused, and quality time that precedes it. A big part of that support is the strong financial giving and the committed lay leadership and lay involvement that you provide to this congregation. How shall they hear without a preacher, asks Paul. Faith comes through hearing, he adds. At Westminster, you provide an atmosphere for preaching. Christ is formed through the preaching of the word. In addition, the music ministry of this church has always been central to our life, our faith, our worship, and has, has historically been a major way that Christ is formed at Westminster. Each of our four directors of music has brought sustained gifts and different emphases within the genres of sacred music they know best. Each has placed a significant mark on the music at Westminster. The two with whom I have shared worship planning have worked hard to select music that fits around the sermon and bears witness to the biblical text around which the service is designed. I am having a ball working with Ben Hutchins. Our almost not new anymore director. Like you, I experience the energy, imagination, intelligence, and love that flow from the different genres of music we are offering and from the tremendous number of people who are participating with voice or instrument or both. Music is a great growth area for our church. And again, it is your willingness to support the church financially, to leave parts of your estate to the church, and to participate in it that makes music what it is. Christ is formed at Westminster through the music that we lift to the Lord. If traditional worship is one major way that Christ is formed at Westminster, a second and perhaps more nuanced way is the way we extend 
welcome. If you are a person who is considering faith, trying to figure out faith, returning to faith, wrestling with doubts about your faith, or if you are growing and serving and learning in your faith in a heightened and renewed way, our congregation is committed to having a place for you. There are people who have joined Westminster after 5, 10, 15 years of visiting. There are people who have grown up in this church and are still a part of our community even when they are going through a period of serious doubt. There are people who are still a part of our community, even in those periods in which God seems to have taken a leave of absence from their life. There are people who are part of our community even when something isn't clicking any longer with them in Westminster. When they've had an unpleasant experience, when they have found themselves mad, hurt, disappointed, or even just not feeling at home in the community. And there are people who are a part of our community who are deeply prayerful, knowledgeable, committed, and courageous to living out their faith in this world. It is not so much that Christ is formed at Westminster because of where any one or group of us is in our faith at any particular time, as if we can monitor our faith with a Fitbit. Rather, it is that Christ is formed in the welcome that we as a community, as a whole, offer to one another and to newcomers, no matter where we and they are in our faith. A significant part of our welcome is a tradition that is long-standing in the culture of our congregation of welcoming people of a variety of social views and political persuasions. We welcome Democrats and Republicans, socialists and libertarians, liberals and conservatives, moderates and independence. We welcome the political and the apolitical, the moral and perhaps even the amoral. We welcome you when you turn to us for an hour of sanctuary from the political strife that is so raw and omnipresent in our politics and in our city. And we welcome you when you take on a heightened form of activism for a cause that you believe helps bring our world closer to the will and reign of God. We welcome you when you struggle with differences over social and political issues within your own heart, within your friendships, your family, your marriages, your neighborhoods, your schools, your professional relationships. 
on this particular weekend, our welcome does not cease. We welcome you if you spent yesterday afternoon on the steps of the Capitol or the Supreme Court or last night at a victory party. We welcome you if you sat at home quietly saddened by the course of our nation or quietly confirmed in the vote you made in the 2016 election. We welcome you if in this past two weeks you have had brought back for you painful memories of violation that you yourself have experienced or memories marked by worry, guilt, or relief over violations you may have committed. At the same time, as part of our welcome, the leaders of our church, clergy, and lay typically refrain from attempting to prescribe where you should come down on specific issues in our national life. Yet know that when you are actively involved in seeking to influence our nation to come closer to what you believe embodies the will of God and our national ideals, we celebrate when your faith plays a part of your commitment and your action. Last Sunday, I included in my pastoral prayer this sentence. I give you thanks that there are truths and forms with respect to which people of good character and principles may differ. That phrase comes from one of the founding documents of American Presbyterianism, the Historic Principles of Church Order, adopted by the Senate of Philadelphia in 1788 and still a part of our church's constitution. I believe that one of the distinct ways Christ is formed in Westminster as a congregation is when we relate to one another across the deeply held social and political divides in our nation. I believe Christ is formed in us when we search for, find, understand, respect, and even foster the good character and principles that lie within and behind nearly every political position, even when those positions coincide as nearly all positions do with the interests of the one making the argument. I believe Christ is formed within us as a congregation when we are able to see and acknowledge the reality that people on the opposite side of issues from us are in most instances 
people of good character. There are truths and forms with respect to which people of good character and principles may differ. To be one congregation in our nation, one congregation in our local community, that in our ministry of Christian formation aspires to live by and pass on this creed is as worthy a reason for existence as there is. Amen.